Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Program guests Craig Roberts and Pat Fatucci not affiliated with Proxy Freedom. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated. Welcome to Don't Invest and Forget, a weekly financial news magazine designed to educate and equip you with the roadmap and direction you need to manage your money, meet your financial goals, and instill confidence in your investment choices on the road to retirement. Your host is author, radio commentator, Pat Fatucci, with over 30 years experience in the world of finance and investment planning, with special emphasis on retirement planning. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. My special guest today is Joanna Bravo. Joanna is the Director of Insurance at Proxy, and coincidentally, this is Life Insurance Month. So it's an opportunity for folks to kind of reflect on what kind of life insurance do they need? Do they need any life insurance at all? The big question is, if the main income driver of your family is no longer with us tomorrow for any sad reason you can think of, what would happen to the surviving family and children and who's going to pay the mortgage and the car payment and the tuition payment? Joanna has been in the insurance business for many, many years. Joanna, talk to our listeners about that exposure that people sometimes don't think about until it's too late. Thank you, Pat. Quite frankly, you know, life insurance is one of those things that most people don't want to talk about, but it is very crucial um, in the livelihood of their family. Like you mentioned, if a major wage earner did uh, pass away or anything crucial happened to their health and they are taken out of their job, the family and the bills still continue. So it is important to at least find a way to supplement that income. As far as life insurance, it evolves so much. It's not only for families if a major wage earner did pass away. It can actually be accelerated used for yourself while you are alive. And also, traditionally, what life insurance does is provide uh, financial security for the family, for the beneficiaries to cover funeral costs, debts, or debts, or even um, everyday living expenses. Let's face it, Joanna, when people hear about life insurance, if they had to pick between a life insurance discussion, which talks about potentially somebody dying or having root canal, most of us would probably pick root canal. It's, it's not a fun discussion, but it's absolutely essential. And sadly, you and I have been involved in way too many cases where 
we had a significant wage earner be no longer with us, and you've got to sit with the surviving family, talk to our listeners about the various types of life insurance. It could be really confusing. And you buy term, do you buy whole life, universal life, variable universal life? Give us kind of an overview of some of the major ones that we should begin to think about. So there are different types of life insurance, whether we are looking at affordability or lengths of time to have this life insurance. Typically, term insurance, if you think about term, think of time. So if you have, let's say, a 30-year term, you have that amount of time, 30 years, to trigger the benefits of that policy, whether it is upon death or accelerating living benefits, you have that time frame. Typically with term, it is more affordable in the beginning. However, since it's term, it will expire. And if there is a need for additional coverage later, one will have to reapply and uh, retest medical it will more than likely uh, be more expensive than what we initially had that term coverage for. And then permanent life insurance, there are different kinds. There's whole life and different types of universal life. Um, With permanent, it's for those that want to take advantage of cash value and the living benefits. You can also attach some riders on there like long-term care. And life insurance on the permanent side has even evolved to create supplemental retirement income. So if properly funded, uh, permanent life insurance should not expire on you. And so the typical scenario is, yeah, I know I need insurance. I'm going to wait until next quarter. I'm going to wait until next year. And then before you know it, there's a health issue that from an underwriting point of view puts you in a denial mode. Insurance companies are pretty smart. They don't want to take people with any kind of health issues or the premium is commensurately higher because you're a bigger risk. Sometimes waiting till next year or next quarter or whatever can really hurt the cost of insurance or be even being eligible to buy insurance. I'm sure you've seen that before. Yes, time and time again, I've had clients who say, you know, not right now, let's wait and let's wait. And unfortunately, what happens is there's a health scare somewhere and they've already gone to the doctors. It's been documented. And then they come to us after the fact. And in that case, when we pull records, the premium could be more because of the health issues or a flat denial. And so those factors do affect the premium or even uh, getting approved for life insurance. The way I see it is while you are still in great health, you want to secure your health rating. That's what it is. Yes, there's a financial premium later, but you want to secure the health rating when you have a good health history because we never know when that will change. And in most cases, when people continue to wait and wait and wait, it's just Murphy's Law that comes back that there, there's a health history and then the premium changes. Although there are some... Um, and, and there are some situations, but there are some types of life insurance that are guaranteed. And that's another discussion to have um, as far as having a health history. There are some premiums that are typically uh, permanent still, but not as much premium and not as much coverage. And those are called guaranteed insurance. So, Joanna, over the last 30 years, you and I have seen 
the life insurance product evolved pretty nicely to the point where we had a lot of cash value kinds of plans where you don't feel like you're just throwing away that $100 or $200 a month, whatever the premium is. Over many, many years, it builds up cash value. And then you could put borrow against it for vacations, for retirement, for tuition, for kids. And it's a tax-free withdrawal. It really looks like almost a savings plan. And later on, you could use it as a supplemental source of retirement or anything borrowing against it allows you to get some value back from all those premiums you were paying for all those years. I really like those kinds of plans because it feels like, unlike your car insurance, you don't have a claim, that money's gone. But with a cash value kind of life insurance, there could be a a nice return on that premium. Yes. You know, more and more people have been using life insurance as part of their portfolio to supplement their retirement. And like you mentioned, typically where you can take a withdrawal or a loan against your own policy. In essence, you've created your own personal bank. And like you mentioned, it is tax-free withdrawal and or um, as far as the loan goes, it can be tax-free and the beneficiaries 100% is also tax-free. Now, another great benefit is that you don't have to wait until 59 and a half to access these funds. As long as the cash value is in there, um, I would speak to your professional as far as withdrawing or taking a loan from these policies, but you have full access to these funds. And that's why more and more people are supplementing their retirement um, with these accounts. Last month, Joanna, we had a call from our show and it was a pretty sad story. A former spouse had died and they had a life insurance policy. And sadly, they didn't change their beneficiary designation. And so the proceeds of that life insurance went to the ex-spouse instead of the current spouse. I have seen over the many years, this happens way too often because people ignore beneficiary designations on things like 401ks, IRAs, and yes, especially life insurance. You can't do anything after the person has died. You've got to change beneficiaries while that person is alive. I'm sure you've seen that happen before in your practice as well. Unfortunately, that happens quite often. It's because maybe we think that once we get the life insurance and it's a done deal and we never review it, but life insurance policies and even other accounts that you have should be reviewed annually especially for the beneficiary designation. Like you mentioned right there, the new spouse was not added on, the old spouse was not removed. This even happens with having more children. They only added the first child and not the other two or three. This happens a lot and there's a rift in the family and you just don't want to add to anything else in that sense. You'll hear nightmare stories and we do have some of those as well. So it is important to make sure that you review your policies annually, especially beneficiaries, because it can be changed as many times as you want. So that is very crucial to make sure review the policy and review the beneficiaries. With me in studio today, Joanna Bravo. Joanna is the Director of Insurance at Proxy. She focuses on life insurance, all different kinds of life insurance, and there's a whole myriad that are suitable for each individual. It's not a one-size-fits-all. 
you have any questions about life insurance, beneficiaries, what kind of life insurance, how much premium would it be, give our offices a call. one 888 wise That's 1-888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Joanna, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Pat. Pat Petucci says, don't invest and forget. As baby boomers begin to ease into their 60s, most expect to delay retirement longer than their parents or even grandparents. In some respects, that's good because many simply can't afford to stop working anytime soon. Two new reports portray aging boomers as better educated with higher incomes and longer life expectancies than the generations that preceded them. That's the good news. They also have fewer children and are less likely to be married, leaving them with fewer options if they need help in their old age. According to a new report just released by the Brookings Institution, a Washington, D.C. think tank, more and more Americans are being forced to work well past the age of 65 simply to make ends meet. Combinations of less money coming in and then higher costs associated with everything from housing to health care. With a look at these issues, Pat Petucci and... Pat, boy, this is a struggle for so many that's worked their entire life dreaming of the day they would retire only to arrive at that magic number of 65 to discover, oh, no, can't stop working yet, simply can't afford it. Yeah, Craig, you're right. 65 age is really fiction anymore in many, many cases. It was a number that was kind of plucked out of thin hair many years ago. In this day and age, first of all, many folks want to work beyond 65. But the key, I think, one of the things you said was, do you have a choice? If you really hate your job, you're counting the days down until you get that Social Security check. But if you don't hate your job, you're probably going to stay on in some capacity, whether it's part-time, whether as a consultant. You know, half the folks out there say they need to work to 70 and there they have can say, I want to work till age 70 or even beyond 70. You know, the old 70 is now really the new 60. And so 70-year-olds act like, walk like, think like perhaps 60-year-olds of years ago. And we're all, at least from a biological point of view, in many, many cases, 10 years younger than what maybe our grandparents were when they were at these ages. And so we want to look at, am I working because I really love it or am I working because I have to put food on the table. Hopefully it's good because you really love it. And that's what we really want to talk about is, is your money, is your portfolio working as hard as you are? We find many, many listeners, Craig, come into our offices for that no obligation consultation. And they finally have come to the conclusion that their money is not working hard. It's invested and forgotten about. And we know we've spent a lifetime working hard, building up some dollars, saving our nickels and dimes over the years, participating in 401k plans, buying IRAs, maybe buying some Roths along the way. And now the question is, is it competing for the kinds of performances that make sense? Sadly, I got to tell you, Craig, in many cases, it's not working as hard as they are. So they've worked harder. And now I think the reason why we're getting such an influx into our offices throughout the country is the very fact that we are waking up and saying, oh my God, I am X years out until I retire. I better start paying attention to all those little pieces of the puzzle that are out there that heretofore maybe were 
not as interesting. Many times envelopes weren't even open, Craig. We have radio listeners come in and they say, please open these envelopes. I can't bear to look at it. I haven't looked at it for years and I'm afraid what it looks like. Please tell me what the number is. So it's funny, but it's really sad in a way, Craig, because we're asked to kind of piece together the roadmap to retirement. And we know the social security system is not going to be there to any great degree in terms of percentage of income in retirement. So we've got to make up for that shortfall. Coupled with corporate America, figuring out, wait a minute, we can't afford to carry our employees for the rest of their life. So it really have to maximize whether we have a 401k or 403b or 457 at work, whatever your plan is at work, it's absolutely essential to max that out year in and year out to really have any hope of either downsizing your work week or eliminating your work week and going into that dream time of our life, the last 10, 20, 30 years of our life and doing things that we really want to do with our time. And that's when you get to dictate what you do tomorrow. It's really the freedom of time, isn't it, Craig? It is, Pat. And you've touched on a very critical word, and that is the word freedom. How many of us start our marriages, our careers, raising families, and we think about someday having the freedom to send our children to a great school so they can have a wonderful opportunity at life and a good, solid career future. Want the freedom to be able to own the home of our dreams, take those vacations, leave a financial legacy for our family, retire and do what we've always wanted to do, be it lay on the beach, spend time with the grandchildren. All of it comes down to a matter of personal freedom. And unfortunately, Pat, as this new report suggests, many Americans are losing their freedom. They're losing their freedom because their buying power is diminishing. It's taking more and more to retire. They can less rely upon things like Social Security. And my goodness, the number of big corporations that are walking away from their obligations on pension funds is almost alarming. And then it leaves folks with the question of, I become really in financial bondage. I'm forced to continue working well beyond retirement, not out of choice, but out of necessity. That brings us full circle to the important question, Pat, on the minds of everyone eavesdropping on our conversation right now, and that's simply this. If I want to be able to protect my freedom, to be able to protect the dreams that I fostered and encouraged all of my life, what are the steps that I need to take at retirement? Well, it really is a collection of a lot of activities. It's kind of an overwhelming task. We're tired at the end of the day. We spent the day, you know, struggling, going through our work day. Maybe we've got kids to pick up from a school, or maybe you're an empty nester. Maybe the bigger issue is taking care of folks. There's always a lot of things to do. And normally the last thing we do is look at our portfolio. And so we really want to spend some time and evaluate, what am I invested in? Well, I'm invested in mutual funds. What kind of mutual funds? International? Are you overseas? Are you all domestic? Are you in large company stock, small company stock, midsize? So you have to look at the rudiments of what your portfolio is all about. That's certainly number one. Secondly, you want to look at any estate planning kinds of issues. Do you have a living trust? Do you have a will? Those are important issues so that you don't inadvertently make Uncle Sam your largest beneficiary. You want to document what your wishes are. You want to make sure all your investments are properly registered in your trust. If you have a living trust, make sure the assets are in the trust. And so you want to look at insurance. Do I have enough life insurance? Should I consider long-term care life insurance, nursing home insurance? What's the probability of spending some time in a nursing home? Have I looked at my homeowners and auto insurance? When I'm out on the highway and I get into a fender bender and somebody realizes you are worth a whole bunch of money, wow, you become a, a candidate for a wonderful nuisance suit that may cost you a 
couple hundred thousand dollars or worse. So we want to make sure you've got the right protections to protect your assets that you spent your lifetime accumulating. So what we do in our no obligation consultation, Craig, is really provide this roadmap, this inventory of assets and liabilities. What kind of mortgage do you have? Do you have the right mortgage? Do you have no mortgage? Should you have a mortgage? And any other debt, whether it's a boat loan, a car loan, we really want to evaluate both sides of the ledger, both the asset side and the liability side and come up with a strategy to improve your direction. If you're going down the road, are you going down the right road? Is your asset base declining? Is it increasing? Is your liability exposure increasing or decreasing? So we want to look at every aspect of your financial life. We provide a financial plan, Craig. It's part of our services. We establish and develop a financial plan and it really becomes a worksheet for us to work with our clients and go down the road and continue to monitor, follow up and give some direction because it's a complicated world. It's not as simple as it was just 20, 30 years ago. Life is complex. So a lot of issues, but in our 30 plus years of being in this business, Craig, we've got a whole collection of very talented, financially savvy people that really get a charge out of doing what we do. We enjoy this stuff. We spent our lifetime developing skills and continuing to learn. We are required to have continuing education credits, which again, our world continues to change. So we are challenged by new ideas, new concepts, and And uh, again, we are fulfilling that through our continuing education. We just think it's imperative to go down the road holding hands with somebody that is charged with the responsibility of keeping their finger on the pulse of your financial life. Pat Fittucci says, don't invest and forget. Invest and forget. Invest and forget. So Pat, as we talk about many of the retirement mistakes that people make, let's talk about the one that probably ties in closest to concerns over market volatility and this notion that because I don't get a good night's sleep, I want to eschew everything that says Wall Street. Yeah, unfortunately, that's probably a really classic, terrible mistake. And, you know, especially when we go through corrections, it, it kind of corroborates, gosh, I better stay out of the stock market. And it really confirms their thinking. But as logical as that sounds, it is a giant mistake. When you look at any 10-year rolling period, markets are up something like 99.2%. So the stock market is a scary place when it drops and, oh my gosh, I've lost money. Classic reaction is sell, sell, sell. And avoiding stocks, the bottom line, is a giant mistake. And I know people listening are saying, I don't care what you say, Vitucci, I'm staying out of the stock market. Understand your appetite for risk and stick to it. I'm not suggesting all your money should be in the stock market, but some percentage should be in the stock market. Failure to take some level of risk, even if you're retired, is an error that you will learn to regret. We're living longer. Keeping up with the madness is important. Think of 20, 30 years ago, what you paid for bread, milk, real estate taxes, the purchase of a car. What's it going to be like 10, 20, 30 years from now? And if you're not riding the roller coaster, it is a scary notion and you can't afford to live in the lifestyle you've grown accustomed. Again, be very careful to take some level of exposure to that crazy world called Wall Street because it's critically important. You don't have to buy the latest dot-com that may go under or you don't need to be in Vietnam where the governments are not as stable. Pick good stocks that perennially do well in good markets and bad markets and there's a, a whole lot of defensive selections you can pick yeah, they'll go up or down a little bit, 
We still need to use their products in recessions, depressions, or wonderful economies. Again, any questions on what kinds of stocks to buy, look at expense ratios, but avoiding stocks is probably one of those classic retirement mistakes that people make. The other one, I guess, is a big political football that we're, we see uh, politicians love to talk about is healthcare. Certainly with the Affordable Care Act, it has been anything less than affordable. Premiums have gone up. We'll see how this all ends. The parties continue to dispute how logical it is to have this kind of program versus a different different kind of program. So again, it's, it's another plank in the platform of politicians. Medical expenses are real, and you've got to pay for those with after-tax dollars. We used to always say you need 70% of your income when you retire. Now it's more like 75 to 78% to really accommodate that high medical premium. There's the whole Medigap. What's not covered between Medicare and maybe if you have a supplementary coverage plan with another independent private insurance company. So again, when you're factoring in your pro forma budget for retirement, how does that healthcare premium integrate with your retirement money. So we have to see how all that pencils out. Again, we can look at that and create pro forma budgets for all of our future retirees. That's probably the biggest question we get when we get a call from a listener is what, how do I calculate my retirement income and what does the healthcare premium do to degrade the, what really is net, net, net left over after that? Speaking of retirement, what is your number? What's the real classic chunk of money you need? What's that critical mass number that you will need to retire on? It's different for all of us. Mr. Rosenberg wrote a book called The Number. Not a very exciting book to read, but it's a couple hundred pages of how to arrive at what your number is and calculating a reasonable interest rate assumption, return, performance number on that chunk of money. Again, that's a really critical exercise to understand what is the collection of your 401ks, IRAs, 403bs, your rental income, your social security, if you have a pension, what does all that equate to? How does that reflect in terms of, of your ability to live in the lifestyle you've grown accustomed or do you have to sell the big house and move 100 miles away to some lower cost area, which is okay. But understanding what the trade-offs are we think is really important before you pull the plug on that salary check coming in, not knowing and guessing at what your income is going to be and what your budget's going to be is something that you don't want to be surprised. So you want to have a real good conservative view of what your income is going to be based on what your critical mass number is and have some wild guess of how long you're going to live. Again, you can't base it on how long mom or dad lived or relatives. It's something you've got to look at 20 or 30 years as a as a reasonable retirement time frame, paying off debt before you uh, before you retire always a good idea. Maybe the only exception I would consider is a mortgage debt. If you have a, a big income, even in retirement, understanding what your debt load is, but certainly things like car loans and RV loans and boat loans, not tax deductible. Generally, those things don't appreciate; they depreciate. So paying those off, certainly a good idea to keep your debt load low. And then deciding on, should you have a mortgage, should you not have a mortgage? That's something that we can help you with because it's all about what is your net, net, net. I mean, if, if your home is appreciating 3 or 4 or 5% a year, 
maybe it makes sense arithmetically to keep that that mortgage. So a lot of things to consider looking at should you pay off that mortgage debt. Certainly all other debt is certainly highly encouraged to shed before you uh, retire. How about child's education or grandchild's education? What obligations have you made? What responsibilities do you have to your children or grandchildren's education? Can your children afford to put your grandchildren to that private school or to college? Maybe you feel inclined to to contribute towards that. Those are all kind of moral obligations that maybe you've made some promises to your grandchildren when they were younger, and now grandma and grandpa will probably want to come through with those promises and, and support those ideas. It's always a question of priorities when you're building your family and do you save for retirement or do you save for a child's education? How do you divide that dollar up into a variety of those areas? Certainly you want to contribute, in my view, maximum to retirement and anything left over goes into a child's 529 education plan. You could always make loans out or apply for grants or scholarships for a child's education. When you retire, you cannot take a loan out to retire on. I haven't heard of that one, but uh, maybe that's a new invention. I don't think so. So you can't borrow to retire on, but you can borrow for a child's education. The old adage, when the stewardess comes on in the airplane, they always say, in case of emergency, put your mask on first and your child's on second. Why? Because if you don't put yours on first and you pass out, your child has no chance of uh, survival. It's kind of the same analogy when you're saving. In retirement, your children are going to be very busy and with their own obligations, and they generally can't support mom and dad when mom and dad decide to retire if mom and dad have not prepared carefully. So again, put your mask on first. Put your dollar in your retirement first, and then any supplemental dollars goes to child's education. And, of course, getting there safely is one of the other important considerations to take a look at. Maybe, as Pat has suggested, you've got multiple irons in the fire, and at the end of the day, you're just kind of hoping, hoping that the numbers that you're seeing reflect reality, hoping that you're interpreting them properly, and that once you are able to cross that finish line, the kind of assets you hope you have will actually be there to carry you through retirement. If you've got some questions, maybe you want to take advantage of a second opinion. There's never any cost or obligation. To schedule that complimentary second opinion, that portfolio review, simply call toll-free 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-P-L-A-N-W-I-S-E. Even easier still, you can schedule that appointment online. Go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. In addition to a bevy of all kinds of wonderful retirement planning resources, you can also easily schedule your complimentary portfolio review online. Don'tinvestandforget.com. been listening to Don't Invest and Forget with Pat Fatucci. To gain more information about any of the topics discussed on today's program or to schedule your appointment for a no-obligation financial plan tune-up in one of the Bay Area offices of Proxy Freedom near you, go to don'tinvestandforget.com. That's don'tinvestandforget.com. Or call 888-PLAN-WISE. That's 888-PLAN-WISE. 
or visit don'tinvestandforget.com. The views and opinions expressed are based on current economic and market conditions and are subject to change. All investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Information provided for illustrative purposes only does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information obtained from sources deemed reliable, but accuracy and completeness not guaranteed. Proxy Freedom has no liability for information discussed. Consult with qualified investment, tax, or legal professional prior to taking action. Securities and advisory services offered through United Planners Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, Proxy Freedom, and United Planners Financial Services are not affiliated.